Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm every day I'm every day I'm hustling. So guess who's talking? It's Tamika Austin, your host of Team Teamster Talk. Today we are here with Mr. Alan Frisbee. Yay! <laughs> so I know who you are. Will you introduce yourself to our listeners today? I'm uh, Alan Frisbee, president of Local 455. Okay, so um, when did you become a Teamster? 1988. And why did you become a Teamster? Well, I had just gotten out of the military and uh, I uh, really, really needed a job. And uh, so I went to work for UPS and uh, I'll be honest, I, uh, when, I, when I started I didn't know uh, anything about the union because uh, I came from a military family and I grew up in North Carolina where uh, one of the least unionized state in America. So um, I learned a lot about the union after I started at UPS, and uh, then when I found out the some of the ways that things are happening to me, I decided I'd figure out what this union was all about. I think that's a good decision you made to find out what we were about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I agree with you. It's been a great decision. What would you title your biography? My biography, to be quite honest with uh, my biography in this job, it's, it's just basically representation of the members. It's always, it's always been, it's the whole reason I got involved because um, I was, didn't feel like I was being treated fairly and that's why I found out about the union and got involved and I've been helping people ever since. So if I could put anything to pencil to that, I guess it would be just trying to help people and people ask me what I do for a living I tell them I help people and they go well that's weird so but that's what we do and uh, that's what I do and that's what this 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 union does and uh, this local does and uh, I'm so proud to be a part of what uh, it's been the way unions are set up there are some locals that have the principal officer as a president and then the secretary treasurer will you explain the hierarchy of our union and how we're set up well, the way we're set up, the secretary treasurer is the principal officer, and uh, he's the uh, runs the day-to-day -day business for the union. He's in charge, and then the president is uh, basically uh, his right-hand man and has a lot of a lot of power as well. But uh, uh, the secretary treasurer is the uh, principal officer of the local, and the, the president is there to help in any way possible with him in day-to-day -day operations. And then we have the rest of the board, which is the vice president, and there's these people. Yeah, the, the vice president, and then the recording secretary, and then you have uh, the uh, three trustees that make up the executive board. There's seven people on the board. Yes, and then we have a wonderful staff, and which includes the BAs and the organizers. Um, it takes a lot to, to run a local, doesn't it? 
it takes a lot to run a local. It's it's a process. Um, I don't think people realize how much hard work we put in in these walls. Um, the purpose of this podcast is to make it so our members do see that you know we're just a bunch of people that wanted to save jobs and help people and be a service and community organization. And so it take there's a lot of moving parts to this local in particular. And we hit the ground running in the last year or so. Wouldn't you say? Yes, I I think we have hit the hit the ground run, running when uh, uh, Dean and I basically came into office in April and then uh, affirmated into the union in the fall uh, during the election period. And uh, there is a lot of moving parts. Uh, Ten million dollars that we have to um, you know manage and make sure that uh, we allocate it properly to protect everyone and the assets. And then the 12,000 people that we represent in so many different barns and so many different, uh, you know, from construction to dairy to laundry to UPS to beverage to bakery, automotive, warehouse, I mean, uh, produce. Uh, we even have newspaper, miscellaneous. Um, so we, we have so many different diverse, different jobs and um, it's wonderful. It's it makes up the this big family that we have of almost twelve thousand people. And see, when you say it like that, and you start naming off all the industries that we represent, I think that's pretty amazing. That means our our demographics. We are so diverse because when you said that, you know, we have Cargill. Basically, what I heard you say is Teamsters Local four fifty five. We control the world, at least the world here in Colorado. We do. I mean, uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean. Uh, we're the largest local and uh, one of the largest locals in the nation, so um, that's something to be very proud of, and uh, we're very proud of that here, and uh, members are very proud of it, and it's it's just a wonderful thing that uh, we can have that kind of diversity, and, uh, you know, speaking of diversity, just look at our e-board. I mean, we're very diverse in our e-board, and uh, we, we're proud of that aspect as well. Absolutely. So to most people, when there's terms that we use here, that most people aren't used to hearing. So, for instance, when we say barns, will you explain to our listeners what a barn is? Yeah, you know, you hear barns um, all the time, and it's basically just uh, where you work, right? Like Seattle Fish is a barn, UPS is a barn, Cisco is a barn, um, you know, Bimbo Bakeries is a barn. And then there's another statement you may hear or words you may hear, and they'll say um, when, you, when you have a meeting, right, um, you you have a um, meeting in regards to your barn, right? And then we call it a craft meeting. And people go, what the hell is a craft meeting? Are we making arts and crafts? Uh, no, I've never <laughs> made an arts and crafts in any <laughs> craft meeting. And, and, and no, it's not craft macaroni and cheese either. I've never had craft macaroni and cheese at a craft meeting. <laughs> right. So that just means a craft meeting, meaning that your barn or your craft or your job or your industry, that's what we're meeting on to talk about your issues to your particular place you work. Okay, so then I have another question. Um, will you also explain the difference when we say white paper versus a national contract? Yeah, you know, again, you'll hear white paper and you'll, you'll hear um, uh, national contract. And basically, um, when you, a national contract, uh, like at UPS, it's one contract that covers the whole nation under one, and you have to negotiate the whole nation at one time. And then, of course, there's different regions in regards to that as well that you have to negotiate. But then a white paper is basically means it's just 
to that particular industry or that particular company, and it's we called white paper, um, and that's what that what that means. It's just basically your your place you work, and it's not a national contract because you're going to negotiate it for your people in Denver or depending on how far that goes. We have people in Nebraska as well, in Colorado. But yeah, that's that's the difference. It's negotiated separately locally as a white paper contract and that's what that is. And that's what's cool about who we represent because we have, you know, of course, UPS and then we have these white paper contracts. And it's always interesting when I talk to all the different business agents, at the end of the day they all are going for the same goal. It doesn't matter which contract's being negotiated. They are really out here fighting hard for our members to get the best contracts, whether it's white paper or a national contract, and I love that about our local. Yeah, it's important, you know. I mean, and and it's nice to see it on a local level because you get to see all the moving parts right in front of you. We're in a national contract. It's it's kind of glossed over a little more because you don't have individual, you know, relationships with that contract because it's so big and you're in a big room with 70 people. So it's it's different and it's it's really nice to see the bits and pieces of a white paper and how that that's all done with negotiating and going through the pensions and the health and welfare and the wages and all of the language and, and, and to see it on a smaller scale where you have a lot more control over it, which I really like. Okay. So what's the biggest change you've seen within the Teamsters? Besides Hoffa retiring and we now have Sean, what's some of the bigger changes you've seen? Well, again, I started in 1988, so, you know, there's been a lot of changes from Ron Carey to um, to Hoffa, to you know, to Sean O'Brien, um, but one of the biggest changes I've seen, and which I've been a part of and like so much, is again diversity and and, and getting the women involved, and in getting all the different caucuses. You know, the Hispanic caucus, the Black caucus. Um, we have so many different things that we do to try to be more inclusive to everyone. And uh, some of the biggest changes, too, I mean, you know, when I first started, the the mob had had their finger in certain things, and that's, you know, we've, we've watched that get moved, you know, totally out of this union. And uh, I like the direction we're going. I, uh, I like President O'Brien and, and Fred Zuckerman's uh, way that they're handling their business, the way they handled the UPS contract. The way they're currently handling the beverage contract with Budweiser, and so many other contracts that they've already done, and uh, the wages and the the benefits have been amazing, and uh, we just keep it rolling. And I'm really proud of where we're headed. Yeah, he's he's very much so more upfront, like like in your face, and you see, I I've seen both. I've been here previously with Hoffa. And now with Sean, and I'm like, Sean just has this presence where it's here, we're we're here. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I've been here a long time, and I've seen a lot of changes, and I've seen one of the biggest changes that I've seen today. That, and again, I, 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 I had a long history with with the Hoff administration, and and had a lot of jobs with the Hoff administration um, outside of Denver. And, and, and liked it, but the way that we handle business today, it's more personable to everybody, and you feel like that you're a piece of something that's going on. 
and sometimes I think after time had gone on, it 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 it, it lost some of its uh, zeal that way. But today, I think the Teamsters are so much more on the forefront than they have been in the past, and that's no disrespect to the past leadership. That's just the way that it's just different today. It's got a younger vibe to it, and uh, uh, a stronger, more in-your-face vibe, which I like. So uh, it's 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 been a great change. Okay. So what's some of the biggest change you've seen within UPS? Well, I mean, when I first started uh, as uh, a business agent, you know, labor was in charge, and they ran stuff at UPS. Mm -hmm. And they told operations, listen, this is what the contract says, and this is how we have to adhere to it. And they would listen to labor. But... I don't think today, I think operations is running labor and telling labor what to do and how to do it. And uh, that's been the biggest change I've seen, which I don't like. And uh, unfortunately, no, it's like nobody's telling them they're wrong other than us. And it used to be, you know, they would tell their own they're wrong. And right now, I don't see that like I did in the past. I would 100% agree with that. It's amazing. Um, the contractual violations, and it's very blatant. Um, I recently had my own incident where I asked the supervisor, are you aware of the, are you, what happens when a member asks for a union steward? What's the contractual language? And his eyes got big, because I know the language, but he didn't. But they violate it, and like we're in the wrong. And it, there used to be a time when we didn't have to say what happens when a member asks for a union steward, because they knew. Yeah, well, as you well know, you know, they this since 2022, um, there's been a lot of changes and a lot of things we had to do because uh, they weren't listening to what we were saying. And, uh, you know, I call it the summer of hate of 2022 when, you know, this local union stood out there and, and fought this company about the way they treated the members, the hours they worked, the harassment, all of the different things that were going on the pay issues which are still continuing so yeah that's uh i agree um it, and, and again you know not only is it contractual it's the law and you know with all of the things that uh, we ended up doing um they've had to you know adhere to the law and uh and basically learn stewards rights and uh that's a good thing so how many contracts have you been a part of those negotiations I started my first contract that I was able to negotiate with UPS and the Teamsters was 1987. So this was my fourth contract that I was a part of negotiations in one way or another, either in the Central Region negotiations or the National negotiations or both. Okay. And what's the negotiation process? Well, you start off with a survey we send normally. Uh, to the membership to see what they want, questions on pension, health care, uh, working conditions, and what they see they want changed. And then we take that proposal and then we, or that, um, we send that out. And when we get that back, we get feedback from there. And then we have a proposal meeting all across the country. And then people come in and say, this is what I'd like to see different in the contract the changes in our particular area, the central region, or for the whole contract, the national contract. So they come in and sit down and say, hey, this is what I would like to see different. 
And then as, a, as the negotiating committee, you take the surveys and you take the proposals and then you sit down. And, and of course, it's a, it's, a, it's a big process because there's a lot of them. And then you try to, you know, separate them, the duplicates and things like that. And then uh, once you come down to where you do, then you put together uh, a booklet of your proposals that you want and negotiatings that tools that you want to achieve during negotiations. So they send your packet and we send our packet. And then at a certain point we negotiate and then we have a deadline to stop at and we go back and forth and uh, negotiate the contract as you know, all of the particular proposals we've received. So that's why it's so important for members to really be involved and to really be a part of the process and realize that it's a process and that when they hear about us having these craft meetings, it's very important that you are there from the beginning. So you're like, for instance, if I want Taco Tuesday, every contract, I can come to this negotiation the, the you know the craft meeting where I get to tell put down my proposal that I want taco Tuesday every first taco of the month and then I'm probably not gonna get it but at least I can say I put in what I wanted you're right I mean everyone will get their say of what they'd like changed in the contract and and does everything get changed no it doesn't but a lot of it does as we saw in the last contract I think there was over uh, 65 changes in the contract so it is and it is good and it's a place for them to come and to ask and to tell and to you know give opinion on what they'd like to see changed what is the biggest challenges of being the president of this local well um, the biggest challenge is basically making sure that all of the members and all of the different barns that we have that get what they need to be where they want to be. And whether that's through a contract, whether that's through a grievance hearing, whether that's through an arbitration, whether that's through a board charge, wherever that may be. But uh, my focus has been to try to make sure that every, all of the staff have what they need, all the tools they need, to make sure they can do things to help their particular people that they represent. And I think that's the biggest, biggest thing that uh, I, I deal with. Okay. So what's your aha moment where you said, this is where I'm either supposed to be or just some really profound moment when you randomly expected it that was like, aha. Like I said, when I started, I didn't know anything about a union because I didn't come from a union state, didn't come from a union family. And I think, you know, once once I figured out what was going on and started to read and look at the contract and then I ended up being a steward, I think uh, my biggest aha moment was like, man, I got to do something. I can't just let this go on, let alone to myself or for others. So I think that was the biggest thing for me in my life when I said, you know, I've got to do something different, and that's when I got involved, and then I became a steward, and then uh, later on became a business agent and moved forward. But, yeah, that would probably be it. I remember one of my aha moments was, so Alan had to save my job one time because somebody didn't like to come to work, <laughs> and we went into a hearing, and 
I can't remember. I think it was, I forgot who the labor manager was, but I thought it was going to be this nice little peaceful, oh, we're going to go in here. I, I know I need to come to work. And then Alan got so upset about me not going to work. I was like, wait, I promise you, I'll go to work. And then later on, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, now look at where we've come. Now I go to work. <laughs> Alan doesn't have to save my job anymore. <laughs> That's probably my aha moment. And then I realized I had a greater purpose because I'm like, well, if he had never saved my job, we wouldn't be where we're at even now. Isn't that crazy? It is. And I mean, it's, it's funny because I was, you know, you guys are asking to have this this podcast and I was on the phone with a member and and letting him know he's going back to work on Monday. So, yeah, it, it still continues, you know. And uh, I, I, anytime I'm in a hearing, I, I always try, and I even said this today to my steward and one of the agents, I said, listen, at the end of the day, when I walk into a hearing, when somebody doesn't, is not working there anymore, what is it that I need or what is it that I want? And what I want is, is, every time I go into one of those hearings is to retain their job, retain their ability to have their pension. And in this particular instance today, he's a few months from a pension that, you know, he became eligible for one in the five-year pension. So it's a, it's a lot of gratitude getting someone back to work. And then and in a lot of cases too, right, people are young and they don't understand everything at the moment. But later on, they find out, wow, that was uh, that was a good deal that uh, the union got involved and got my job back because look at look at me today, and I try to give them the big picture. You know, this is not just tomorrow. Think about this as five years, ten years, twenty years, pension, retirement, health care, all of these things that you get with it. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a big deal. It is. What's LMG? Leaner, meaner, greener. What's it mean? What's what? What does it mean? What does it mean? Well, leaner means that we're, you know, we, we try to, you know, as we work towards this, that we, you know, if there's things that we can cut and, and things that, you know, that uh, we can make better in a, in a more efficient way that we work on that, you know. Uh, the greener part is to go out here and negotiate uh, bigger contracts and more money and, uh, and it also has a lot to do with organizing, right, with the, with the cannabis industry. We try to attach that with, with the money. But we also, it's a big deal negotiating. I mean, look at the $30 billion contract that UPS just got. I mean, that's, uh, that's greener. Uh, it's unbelievable uh, what was accomplished in that, in that negotiation. And shout out to, uh, again, the general president and the secretary treasurer, uh, Sean O'Brien and uh, Fred Zuckerman because they did a, a absolute wonderful job with it. But uh, you know, leaner, meaner, greener, meaner. I like meaner. Uh, <laughs> we've damn sure been meaner. Uh, uh, as as unfortunately, we have to be meaner um, because uh, sometimes these employers don't listen, and uh, you have to do it. And sometimes they just don't care about workers, and that's what unions are about. We are about workers and community service and activism and all of the above and I keep saying we'll be mean if it means protecting our people and protecting workers absolutely I agree and community is a big thing and that's another thing that 
Dean and I and the rest of the board has reached out, you know, to going into high schools and talking about unionism and getting the young regulators together and having them go and do things. Uh, there's so many things that we've done since April that uh, it's just amazing. And uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited where we're headed. I'm excited where we've been. It's a short period of time, but uh, we've got more to come. Matter of fact, as we're talking about community, um, and we all I will talk about tacos because we know how much I like them, and you know what's coming up, and I'm excited to talk about it. Um, working family friends, Cinco de Mayo. Well, that's huge, right? Huge. Very big. Will um, you explain to our listeners what Working Family Friends is? Yeah, and it's Working Family Friend means it's basically an organization that helps people because in some industries, in some jobs, and anytime you need help, it's based on income. And sometimes we make more than people will help us. The United Way can't help you because you make too much money. But in Working Family Friends, they're here to help people that are working that get in a bind for whatever reason, maybe it be a health reason for a minute, maybe it be something to do with their job, an injury, uh, all different kind of things that come up, something in your family, a death in the family, so many different things. And you, you have to have an avenue to help somebody in need. Now, the union can't take your union dues and, and just give people money when they need help. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, I found this organization when I was out um, hearing grievances in different states. And in Missouri, I kept hearing the agents on the phone talking about helping people and, 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 and financially helping people. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? You don't have, you know, and they said, no, it's working family friends. So I, I inquired about it and I went and met the people at working family friends and I asked them to come to Denver and then I begged them, is there any way that I can bring this program here to Colorado because we don't have it? And uh, they agreed to it, and uh, it's been a wonderful program. Now, again, the program's not set up to, you know, for tens and twenties of thousands of dollars for people. That's not, it's a small fund. I mean, it's a, it's got a million dollars in, in assets, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so, you know, but there's a way that if you, you know, you need a ends to a mean or you need a, some money to get you through the month or, you know, I got behind on my bills and I need some money, that people can come and ask for help. And that uh, we take them on a case-by-case -case basis and uh, we help those people. And uh, it's been amazing. Um, I've, I'm just so happy that we've had that and been able to help some of the Teamsters here. And what I love about it, and when we, when we donate money to it, because it's a, it's a charity, right? Mm -hmm. It has no way to gain money other than donations, either through the Cinco de Mayo, which is going to be a big celebration we're going to have at the Union Hall with food and music and prizes and, and giveaways. Um, you know, we give away $2,000 in cash, $1,000 in cash. And then we have so many different prizes. People, we raffle off for people. There are a lot of good prizes. Right, and and every every dollar goes to help the fund and the charity, and then it gives back to the people that need help. And uh, I can't tell you enough how much it's helped the people. And uh, we have to keep doing it because we have to keep fundraising. We have to keep doing these things because. 
Uh, it's the only way they make the money to help the people is to fundraise. So, yeah, that's what we're doing here uh, May 4th of this year. And a Cinco de Mayo celebration right here at the local union is going to be a big, big time, big fun. So if you would like to help with our Cinco de Mayo event by either donating, um, we would love to have your support. Any local businesses out here, we love it when local businesses support us because then we support you. And we have 13,000 members who you have an opportunity when you donate to get your name out there with our members and with our us. So if you would like to donate to Cinco de Mayo, um, we will take any and all donations. Please reach out to, you can reach out to Teamster Talk through our social medias, which we'll mention at the end. Um, go to the locals website, um, Teamsters Local 455. So anyway, trust me, we will take any and all donations for Cinco de Mayo. So, Alan, I made up this game. It's going to be fun. You're going to love it. It's called Then, Now, and Next. So what can we learn from those that came before us way back then that we that it's beneficial? That, like, what did, what did they teach us from back then? Well, a, a, lot of, a lot of the people don't really realize that this struggle started a long time ago, like in the early 1900s. And... People died and were killed and, and shot and beat uh, to get just basic rights that we have today. And a lot of the rights we have today, people don't realize the struggle we had to have those. They take advantage of it. And so does the general public because when we change something, guess what? Businesses are forced to change it in non-union places because of some of the stuff that we have done. So... Uh, I can't say enough for the brothers and sisters that came before me that did all of the struggles and the fights and the strikes and the strife that they went through. What do we want to learn now from the next generation? What do we want to learn from now? Well, I think that we want to learn from now that there's differences in all of the different demographics as we move forward in age, right? The young people today are facing things that are different from when I faced things. Like when I grew up, I could go get a job and go live and, and, and work and, and have a place to live and grow. Right now, it's a struggle for these kids today because the cost of living is so high. And if you're not in a good union job and you're not in these places, um, you have so much of a different struggle. So I think some of the things I've learned from today are from the young people and what they go through, and they're different. Their mentalities are different. Their upbringings are different, different from mine. And I have to, you know, sometimes check myself to know that, listen, they have different issues that I didn't have to deal with, and they do have to deal with. So that's one of the biggest things I see. Okay. So what do you think the next generation can learn from us? Well, I hope they I hope they learn that uh, you know hard work and uh, this union and uh, the job security mean a lot, and I hope that uh, they can continue that moving forward. Because uh, if you don't, you know, it's just we're la we're the last ones left. We're the we're the last bastions of the middle class that fighting for people's rights and fighting for a wage and fighting for rights to speak in the workforce and I hope that all of these things you know 
that they can continue to do these things moving forward because it's important and it has to continue. How do you maintain your beard? Well, let me say this to you. It's, it's a process. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's something that you, uh, you know, you have to maintain and you have to uh, condition it and you have to uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you, you take care of it. But it, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a process okay. for sure. And I'm asking this because, as you know, I am a part of the Horsemen, and I just want to know, I'm asking for a friend. So do you happen to know Santa? Yes. Is he your friend? Is he like, are you like a part of his inner circle? I am. I knew it. I just knew you were a part of Santa's inner circle. Closer than you would ever know. Am, am I allowed to suggest some people for the naughty list? Because they're... There's some there's some employers, but there's some specific children that I think should be on this list. And I would like to tell you at another time so that you could put those children on the list. You may know, actually you do know one of the children on the list. I will not say this child's name on air, but there is specific children that should be put on the naughty list, just from my personal opinion. I would just like to put that out there. Yes, you can... You can put them on the list because you know we're checking it twice. That's right. So thank you so much for spending time with us and giving, taking time out of your super busy day because I know that you are busy talking to those interesting characters that we call the UPS labor managers. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate everybody. Okay, so thank you again for taking the time to tune into Teamster Talk. Remember, know your power, use your power. Teamster Power, Union Power. And don't forget to like, follow, and share our pages. You can find us at... Teamsters Local 455 at the website. We they also we also have a Facebook, Instagram. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Yeah yo, yeah yo, Moonlight la, yeah yo. Bitch better have my money. Y'all should know me well enough. Bitch better have my money. Play down, call me on my blood. Pay me what you want me. Balling bigger than.